Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this half, the first half hour is Taylor Letterman. He is a cryptocurrency analyst and trader at simplertrading.com. Welcome to the show, Taylor. Hey, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Just start a little bit with your background on how you got into cryptocurrency trading in the first place. Sure. So I've been sort of lucky. Um, I've been working at Simpler Trading as a web developer, web developer for a few years. And then in 2016, kind of cryptocurrencies started getting on the map a little bit more, not as much as they were on 2017. And then being surrounded here at Simpler Trading, we teach people how to trade. So I was naturally surrounded by expert traders. I just kind of transitioned from trading other assets into cryptocurrencies and utilize some of the web development background to kind of get a leg up in the space. So tell us about Simpler Trading and what does it offer that's different from other cryptocurrency trading firms? Sure. So we offer, we do in our cryptocurrency leg of the company, we actually teach options trading and futures trading, um, even Forex. Um, in the crypto space, we focus more on sort of the fundamentals. A lot of people entering the space don't really necessarily have a technical background or the ability to kind of evaluate a project from sort of kind of a long-term investment. Most of these investments that we make in crypto are very speculative and highly volatile. So being able to kind of look through the weeds to find the actual diamonds in the rough and so on um, is what we kind of specialize in. So let's talk about the, the basics of Bitcoin. Why is there a need for cryptocurrencies? We've had traditional currencies around forever. What is the need that cryptocurrencies in general and Bitcoin in particular are fulfilling? So it's sort of the push to Web 3.0. So as, as the world has become further globalized and connected, um, we still have these incumbents, the governments and the banks that are in place. They're kind of regulating um, between individuals and good and bad to that. Um, so cryptocurrencies are kind of stepping in, taking it to the next level and allowing um a lot of whether they're currencies or applications to become decentralized in many ways. So not having one central entity controlling any specific asset or what you do with it um, is kind of where the world is pushing to be more globalized. So we want to interact and connect with people across the world. Um, but then our governments and borders kind of hinder us at times, whether we're transacting um, money or assets of any kind. So the central banks and regulatory agencies are not happy about this, and they're pushing back. What is your sense of the regulatory future? Are cryptocurrencies, uh, are they currencies? Are they securities? Are they commodities? And how are they going to be regulated? Is it going to be very different from one country to another? Yeah, it, it, right now it's, it is different from one country to another. They're all kind of focusing on different aspects of the regulatory process around cryptocurrencies because there's many different new processes that need to be put in place. Um, most governments are kind of slow to um, take steps forward, such as the U.S. We've been kind of slowly trying to dig through to find out what processes need to be put in place. But other countries are quick to regulate, and then we've actually seen them kind of step back lately. So Thailand and um, even Korea has taken a step back in their original view of cryptocurrencies and realized the actual economic incentives around them. Um, and so regulations there are kind of rolling back. But I think in the U.S. Uh, recently, uh, both Bitcoin and Ethereum were no longer going to be considered a security. I think a lot of the cryptocurrencies that we're dealing with on a daily basis are actually potentially can be labeled as securities. So it may need to be some sort of 
uh, kind of compromise between sort of how we're viewing the Howey law, which is determining whether um, an asset can be considered a security or not, um, and then how cryptocurrencies actually interact, because it has a totally different economic model than what we see with stocks and futures and so on. Yeah. So the, the crypto market had a huge run at the end of 2017, attracted all kinds of risk capital. Bitcoin got up to 19,000 or something like that, a huge rise. And for 2018, it's been pretty much on the downside. It's whatever, six, 7,000 now. What, what is the state of the crypto market now? Do you think it's kind of bottomed and, and going to move back up? Or generally, what is the state of the market these days? Yeah, so we've kind of ended that leg. Some people refer to it as like the retail mania or the, the hype of cryptocurrency. And it all kind of started snowballing around last fall in November into December when people were reconvening with their family around holidays and so telling their friends and family about cryptocurrencies like, oh, I made all this money in cryptocurrencies. And it just kind of escalated from there. This hype cycle was in the news. It was um, everyone was touting different cryptocurrencies, buy this, buy that. And then I think what had happened was the retail, the, the market had outpaced technology in many senses. Um, a lot of the technology we're dealing with cryptocurrencies is very new. Um, we hadn't really experienced anything like that. And it's still early, early in the adoption cycle. So I think right now where the market has outpaced technology, we're trying to balance that out, come back to an equilibrium where the tech is kind of better valued related to the market. And so we're reaching this equilibrium again. Um, and then with the new, each week we kind of hear about a new institution kind of taking a step in the market. Recently, an ETF, a third ETF proposal was made for Bitcoin. Um, SEC is supposed to give a decision on that soon. So I think more things are making way for institutions to kind of enter the market now that we've gone through this hype cycle. Um, so we may be uh, coming up on another leg later this year, early next year, for a potential another similar run that we saw um, with Bitcoin and many cryptocurrencies back 2017 into 2018. So it's That's interesting right people, now. A lot of people have been counting on institutions coming into the cryptocurrency market uh, as the reason for the next big up leg as opposed to retail last time. What do institutions have to gain by this? I mean, I hear they're investing a lot of money and creating cryptocurrency trading desks and so on, but what do institutions have to gain by investing in cryptos? Um, they don't want to get left behind. I, I don't think anybody wants to get left behind, especially if blockchain technology fulfills the promise it's making. Um, so we, the institutions are there, they're, um, their clients and so on are wanting to invest in cryptocurrencies or they keep hearing about it and wondering why they don't have any um, any piece of crypto in their investment portfolio. So institutions are trying to slowly kind of tip their toes in the water to see what they can do in the space. But with regulations still being a concern for a large part of the cryptocurrency space outside of Bitcoin and Ethereum, um, custodialship is another big piece that institutions are kind of concerned about and not hesitant to enter the market. So custodialship in terms of how you manage and maintain the asset. So keeping Bitcoin secure, having access to wallets and so on is a part of the institutional investment process that is not in place at the moment. Um, so they're very hesitant around that aspect, but they have to gain, I mean, entering the market, there's, these are, could potentially be highly valuable assets. Um, not all of them, of course, and many of them will die out over the next year or two. But picking the right ones and being invested in the technology that will then be in place for years to come and um, can actually really disrupt many of our markets. So in at simplertrading.com, you talk about the different 
assets. You have the top 10 cryptos that you like. Uh, what what would be, if somebody who's starting out new in investing in cryptocurrencies, what would be, the say, the top two currencies people should get started with? So no matter what, um, so kind of answer your question, uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum are going to be the ones you're going to have to learn about first. They're, they drive the market. So if you're investing in anything, it does help to gain some background on both Bitcoin and Ethereum. They're, they're the top two in terms of market cap. And market cap is calculated by the total circulating supply and the price of the currency. You multiply it together, you get the overall market cap. So with Bitcoin and Ethereum, they drive a lot of what happens in the market. Um, good news or bad news, um, they're kind of leading the way up or down. So a lot of the altcoins, so an altcoin is anything that's not Bitcoin, um, is an alternative to Bitcoin. So altcoins um, are smaller in their total market cap size. Their, their valuation is slightly different. So... Picking those out, um, you're wanting to pick something that's has a strong um, value proposition, but also is has the ability to kind of disrupt the overall attainable market size that they can kind of go in and disrupt is what we're looking for. So um, distributed computing is one big one, and then infrastructure. So building out, extending the blockchain um, distributed ledger, so the, the decentralization of the blockchain Extending that out further to enterprise solutions and so on are the ones I'm looking at, um, such as Decred and Zilliqua are all two of the ones that I've been heavily invested in and do uh, a lot of research on Bitcoin, uh, relative to many of the other altcoins. So Decred and Zilliqua uh, are two of the main ones, and they're high up in market cap as well, so they're easy to kind of find and access um, on different exchanges. So uh, you you have at uh, simplatrading.com a whole kind of getting started uh, system here where you talk about the blockchain and getting your first uh, Bitcoin and all that. One of the important things is to get an exchange. So there's Coinbase, there's Bitfinance, there's several of them. Which uh, exchange should people use if they're getting started? For the easiest, less friction in your way, um, if it's your first time buying any cryptocurrency, Coinbase is going to be your best bet. So they're located... In the U.S., um, they're, they have access to four currencies right now that you can actually buy and trade, and then they'll have be adding more over time. But th that's going to be your, the quickest way into the market and most secure way. They're FDIC insured. It's easy to manage. You don't have to do anything special. Um, very secure and a strong team here in the U.S. that is behind that project, and they're even acquiring other companies and so on. And they recently got a license um, via the SEC and so on. They've bought companies to acquire these licenses, and so they're really expanding and growing quickly. So I think Coinbase is your best bet um, for buying your first Bitcoin or Ethereum. And a common misconception about that is you don't actually have to purchase a full Bitcoin. You can actually purchase it in um, smaller units. So Bitcoin is divisible by eight decimal points, so you can buy um, many fractions of a Bitcoin. You don't have to buy one full Bitcoin at a time. And then once you have Bitcoin, you buy the other coins, the alts, in Bitcoin. Is that right? You don't actually pay fiat currency for all these other currencies you're talking about. Is that right? Correct. Uh, yeah, a lot of the altcoins are still connected and paired with Bitcoin for trading purposes. Um, this has actually created a bit more volatility in the market than we would like, simply because if Bitcoin's um, changing in value, then the other altcoins are also changing in value because their USD price that we would be looking at is relative to its price in Bitcoin. So we're not only looking at the price of the altcoin in US dollars, but we're also looking at the price of it in Bitcoin dollars, which is, or not Bitcoin dollars, but in Bitcoin value. 
So it's kind of uh, a little bit more volatile than necessary. And over time, I think the market is still maturing. Um, we'll start seeing more pairings um, between the altcoins and other uh, fiat, as well as other cryptocurrencies itself. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour, this half hour, is Taylor Letterman. Uh, he is a cryptocurrency analyst and trader at simplertrading.com, and that's their website, simplertrading.com. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We've all been there. Struggling to keep up with credit card payments? Searching for a simpler, safer way out of debt? Well, here it is. Cambridge Credit Counseling is a nonprofit service that has been helping people reduce or eliminate their credit card debt for over 20 years. Most of us have made late payments and even gone over our credit limits. Before we know it, our balances are out of control and we can barely afford to make the minimum payments. If this sounds familiar and you're ready to take control of your debts, call Cambridge right away at 1-800-897-2200 for a debt-free analysis. Cambridge will work with your creditors and may be able to reduce your interest rates and get you out of debt fast. In fact, Cambridge's typical debt management clients save almost $150 every month on their credit card payments, and they're debt-free in just 50 months. So there is a simpler, safer way out of debt, and it all starts with Cambridge Credit Counseling. Call 1-800-897-2200 for your free debt analysis. Cambridge Credit Counseling is a Massachusetts-based nonprofit agency providing services nationwide. For complete licensing information, Visit them online at cambridge-credit.org. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Has your small business been turned down for a loan by the bank? Is lack of capital hindering your business growth? Small businesses unable to obtain bank financing or tired of merchant cash advances can now get the financing they need. Corporate Lending Solutions provides short and long-term capital, revolving lines of credit, and unsecured business loans. Does your business need help with payables, supplies, or payroll? Corporate Lending Solutions has powerful programs to help. While getting a small business loan can be a long, daunting process, with Corporate Lending Solutions, it's simple and takes only one to three days. Call 800-261-6478 or visit CorporateLendingSolutions.com to learn more. 800-261-6478. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for this half hour is Taylor Letterman. He's a cryptocurrency analyst and trader at simplertrading.com. Welcome back to the show, Taylor. Thanks, Jordan. So just be a little bit clear about what Simpler Trading offers and how much it costs to subscribe to it. 
Sure. So at Simple Trading, uh, we offer all the educational information you need to kind of get kick-started into the crypto space. Uh, we send out fundamental reviews of each token. We also do live trading. So that's us setting live um, broadcasting different trade setups we're looking at personally and what trades we may be potentially making, um, looking at resistance and actually the technical analysis around the market itself. But then we also have the whole aspect of the fundamentals of each coin. So looking at why we're investing in this particular coin or why uh, this coin is actually set up for a big move in the future because there's some strong catalyst coming up around the development of the project. And so we dive into both aspects, the technical and the fundamentals, and then kind of bridge those together. Um, we do have a two-week trial going out right now. So if you go to simplytrading.com slash crypto, uh, you can learn more about that trial and get access to all the content we're putting out on a daily basis. And then if you subscribe longer term, how much does that cost? Yep, so the two-week trial is $7 um, for 14 days, and then upon the ending of the trial, it bumps up to 147 for the full price. Very good. So there's a lot of people in the crypto space saying all kinds of things. People don't know who to believe. There's been some scandals. I guess it was called with Crypto Cash, and there's um, Mt. Gox, and things have gone bankrupt. People say that there's money laundering going on. How do you know what's real and what's not real in the crypto space? Sure, yeah. So that's definitely a question I get often. Um, and one important distinguish factor is kind of looking at what's actually, if there's if there's a scam or if there's a hack, if what was behind that, uh, were the people behind it actually being shady or difficult to begin with, which what we see in many of the ICOs that have been exit scams, so where they're, they're raising a bunch of money through an ICO, so initial coin offering, and then pulling the money that, they just raised and not actually doing development or any actual progress on their application, but just running away with it. So we've seen a few of those, and there was a large majority of the ICOs last year, and then in 2016 that were exit scams. So it's doing your due diligence. Um, are the, the team behind the project putting their name and their face on it, or are they just hiding under a pseudonym or something similar, or is there even a team behind it? And a lot of times, if someone's promising something that's too good to be true, it often is. And that's what we're looking at a lot of times with ICOs is what are they actually trying to do? Is the market potential for this project um, large enough? And most of the time, they're just targeting a small niche and running away with people's money. So are there some initial coin offerings, ICOs, you think are worth investing in that have already come public at this point? Uh, yeah. So the two, the two I mentioned earlier is Zilliqua recent is a was ICO'd last year and actually raised a decent chunk of change, but they're actually performing fairly well and have a strong team behind it. A lot of times what you can look at is, um, like I said, the team behind the project is where you're going to find more of the truth in the project. Is the team behind it actually equipped to accomplish what they're stating they're going to accomplish? Um, is the team behind it able to build a strong community and provide the incentives for the token to actually be distributed and become a value and so on? Um, so Zillic was a great one, and there's many others that through 2017, uh, despite the exit scams we saw that formed an ICO, raised enough money to begin development, actually have done a pretty good job so far. Uh, I think I was looking at a stat, like 70% of the ICOs last year were scams or dead projects, but those only accounted for about 26% of the overall money raised. So... Um, it's it's about quantity, or instead of quantity in terms of investing in a bunch of projects, it's about quality of the project. Just to be clear, Zilliqua is spelled Z-I-L-L-I-Q-A. Yes, the sir. Symbol, symbol for it is uh, Z-I-L, is that right? Mm-hmm. 
And what what is it that they do that you think has good uh, possibilities for the future? So they're distributed computing. So they're it's one of those um, kind of topics that unless you have experience like in web element, it's kind of harder to apply. But it, it's scaling transactions. So uh, Visa and MasterCard run about ten thousand transactions per second. Um, and then that's where a lot of the cryptocurrencies are trying to attain. And Zillica actually has some of the tech behind it that can actually scale to get up closer to that 10,000 transaction per second. But they're not focused on transactions between a uh, buyer and a seller. They're focused on transactions in terms of computing power. So they're speeding up the amount of data that they can run through some system at once, um, making things faster and even securing um, certain applications. So. It's more of an infrastructure play in the overall blockchain space that Zillow was investment, why I'm investing in it, um, rather than an actual like end-to-end user use case. How are consumers in the future going to be using cryptocurrencies? I mean, they're going to have their phone and go to McDonald's and buy a burger for 0.0001 of a, block t- a, a Bitcoin? Or how are actual consumers are going to be using cryptos to buy and sell things in the future. And that, that, that this is what determines the sort of the tipping point for the crypto market is when do we get to that point where people are actually using it day to day? And that's what a lot of these projects, they're still very not consumer facing at all. They're very hard to use, even just managing your Bitcoin, sending it from one place. Now there is not the most intuitive thing you'll ever do on the internet. Um, but it's still the, the early days of like when email was created, it, we're in that sort of stage where people may be sending email, but don't understand why they would send email or why they would need the internet to send email. Um, and that's kind of what we'll, the frontier we're kind of like running through right now is determining um, where the usability and how we can put a application layer or layer on top of the overall blockchain layer that makes it easier for the user to interact with. And so... Uh, we'll, we'll be seeing that over time. I don't think buying hamburgers or coffee with cryptocurrency is going to be the best use of it um, for the time being. But uh, there's certain instances of sharing data, online storage, even um, different examples where distributing some sort of service or asset across many people that has micro, very small transactions. That, that's what we're looking for. A lot of the connected world where we can kind of take that and implement some application on top of it that makes it easy for the user to understand. Um, ideally, the user has, doesn't even notice the difference when blockchain is behind what they're doing. They just notice they're, it's cheaper and faster. Are there some indirect plays on the whole Bitcoin and cryptocurrency market? For example, people talk about the chip makers mm-hmm. supplying chips for data, data mining, things like that. Or uh, companies in the blockchain, are, are there some kind of indirect ways that you could profit from the growth of cryptocurrencies? Sure, yeah. Uh, it, like you said, the chip, mi- the um, video processors um, are a big piece. There's going to be actually, like I mentioned, the ETF thing is not necessarily an indirect way, but um, a new way for retail investors to kind of enter the space without the risk and um, complications that they would have to deal with otherwise. But I think there, there, there's still potential for that, and many, I think education, um, what I'm trying to do is teach people how to trade cryptocurrencies is something that's profitable because not many people know about it, and there's so many untrusted sources online um, that having access to the right information at the right time and kind of walking someone through the steps is actually one way of doing it, and then there's many more ways we'll see. 
like I said, building that usability layer on top of the blockchain where it makes it easy for you and I to interact via the blockchain or any cryptocurrency is going to be a big catalyst for the market picking it up and profit to be had elsewhere. If people want to invest, what would you say is the minimum dollar amount that they should start with to build a portfolio so it's not all in one currency? Sure. So uh, having skin in the game is going to be your first step into learning it. I don't... Um, it's going to be a smaller part of your total allocation in terms of your portfolio. Crypto should make up less than 10% or so on because it's very risky, very volatile, and we want to kind of gain access to it without being susceptible or mitigating our risk um, to a lot of the volatility in it. So 10% of your portfolio or less, um, depending on, of course, age and kind of your expectation in your portfolio. Um, and then from that point, we'll... Bitcoin and Ethereum are going to have to be your top two investment pieces of your portfolio simply because they drive the market. And until that's not so much the case, um, I recommend uh, at least having about 50% of your portfolio in Bitcoin or Ethereum. And then the rest, you can kind of diversify it among the different plays, whether it be infrastructure, supply chain, picking one of the best bets that blockchain actually can step in and disrupt. So VeChain is a very interesting project. VeChain is working to disrupt the supply chain management, managing products from all the way from the manufacturer to the consumer. So if you want, if you're buying organic coffee, you want to know where the coffee is roasted. You want to verify how it was transported and then be able to scan a barcode on your coffee to kind of verify all those things took place. The same thing can be said, like if you're ordering sushi, knowing that the sushi was kept at a certain temperature when it was transported, transported from uh, the distributor to the retail space or the restaurant, making sure it maintain a certain temperature um, is what blockchain can actually help with different Internet of Things devices, pulling in data, making it transparent and secure on the blockchain. Good. We have about a minute left. Just kind of summarize what what people should be thinking about if they're thinking of investing in cryptocurrencies in the current market. Sure, yeah. So one, skin in the game. So you set up a Coinbase account is going to be your first step into the market. Uh, make sure you start reading up on Bitcoin or Ethereum, or at least following the news headlines, and then you'll start picking up some of the, the lingo, the jargon that's used, which will then help you expand your understanding of the market. And then from there, start looking into altcoins, but not until you have at least a base understanding of what you think Bitcoin and Ethereum are. At that point, um, you can kind of start branching out throughout the market. Uh, TradingView is where I do all my charting, which is an excellent website for if you want to do any technical analysis. And then coinmarketcap.com. It's a website you can use to look at all the coins currently available to purchase and what exchanges you can actually buy those on. So those are two tools I use daily to kind of get a feel on the market. And outside of that, it, it's just slowly progressing into the market one step at a time. Terrific. Well, thanks so much. My guest this half hour has been Taylor Letterman. He's the cryptocurrency analyst and trader at simplertrading.com. You can for find out more about what he and they offer at simplertrading.com. Com. We're going to take a break and be back with my next guest, Gary Bush. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Network. 
Attention heroes, current and former firefighters, law enforcement, military, medical, or educational professionals. Heroes can receive rewards averaging over $2,500 when they buy, sell, or refinance a home. Heroes come first. Along with the Homes for Heroes is the nation's largest hero reward program. Their mission is to provide extraordinary savings to heroes who provide extraordinary services to our nation and its communities every day. Learn how you can purchase a home for no down payment, no closing costs, and get money back at closing. Find out how you can own for less than you may pay for rent. Get your hero rewards at heroescomefirst.com. That's heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S, comefirst.com, 888-437-6114. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. For this half hour, we're going to be speaking to Gary Bush, who is the author of two books called All the Talent in the World, Version 1 and Version 2. Welcome to the show, Gary. Thank you much for having me, Jordan. Let's just do a brief explainer of uh, your career and how it led to writing this book called All the Talent in the World. Well, I've been writing for about 40 years with fiction and uh, various uh, journal articles. And uh, it began probably with a book that I called wrote Stock Trading for the Innocent. Um, books like this can be filled with a lot of statistics, and statistics are boring to a reader. So I wanted to make something fiction so that a reader would be interested in doing it and reading it and having a good time while they were reading on a lot of statistical figures. So um, the, the purpose of this, this book was really to inspire people by telling the story of specifically basketball players, professional athletes, and the financial troubles that they got into by not really being educated about finances. Is that the purpose of it? Absolutely. Education is the primary reason behind writing this book. Um, it's also concerned with family values and respons- personal responsibility. However, uh, it began with some basketball players uh, who read uh, the stock market book, and then liked it so much they wanted me to write a fictional book about 
players and uh, of all sports and professional players who got scammed, who got cheated, who got stolen from from various sources. And so that's where the all the talent in the world began. So in the book you talk about, I, I guess it's a fictional guy named Billy Lincoln, who ends yeah. up being on the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, I guess. So just kind yeah. of talk about the, the process when you have a good athlete, particularly a basketball player, the process of recruiting him and getting him into college and getting into pros and kind of how that whole process goes. And then we'll talk about the financial aspect of Dwell. But a lot of these kids are not really prepared for that whole process. And that's where this book would come in. It's almost a primer of how to get into the NBA. Unfortunately, some of these kids are taken advantage of by various entities before they even reach um, eligibility to be drafted by the NBA. There's an example of a wonderful man here in town who used to play for the uh, Seattle Supersonics. He graduated from high school. Then he graduated from college after four years, still unable to read. I asked him, how did you get through all of these tests? And they said, he said, um, they uh, took my tests for me. Now, since then, of course, he went bankrupt because he had no education, uh, either formal or otherwise. Since then, he is a smart man, and uh, he developed a business which he sold and made a lot of money. But... He is atypical, I would say, of the athlete who has become successful. It's more on the athlete who has not become successful. And it's very difficult. Adam Silver did an interview not long ago where he said that about 20 new players will be added to the NBA each year. That's a very small percentage of the population who play basketball. These people who are playing basketball and want to be NBA stars should really look ahead to an education to see what they can do besides play basketball. So you said that they kind of did the test for them. There have been various scandals. There was one at the University of North Carolina, and then there was this recent scandal with all the shoe companies uh, paying off coaches and so on. Have things gotten better since these scandals have come out to make sure that these athletes, in fact, do get a real education when they go through school? I can't answer that specifically, as you just gave me some examples, but I can say that books such as myself are writing will help, I think, in the future for these guys to have this situation pointed out to them. And when I say guys, it's also uh, women athletes as well. As you know, uh, there are tennis players like Serena Williams. It, it, the scams, the problems that agents can cause, the problems that... Um, people can cause who are in higher education is across the board. It's not just with uh, uh, basketball, it's with all sports. I can give you a golfer and a tennis player who were cheated by various scams. A prof- well-known professional golfer and a well-known tennis player, not just uh, run-of-the-mill, but uh, number one. What happens at the beginning when they're coming out of high school um, and they're being recruited by all these colleges. They can't give them money, but what do they offer them to get them from one college to another when the coaches are competing for them, and how does that kind of set up the situation for disappointment later? Well, they give them new cars. They give them uh, encouragement 
to do anything that they want as long as they can show up for practice and be a star during the game. Uh, it's unfortunate that the, these people, some of them from the projects, uh, are overwhelmed with either cash or gifts, driving a brand new car, uh, driving uh, something uh, that is way out of their range of ever being able to afford it unless they get into professional sports. And now we're back into that situation where very few can ever qualify to be game changers in in, uh, professional sports. So then say they're one of those 20 that is successful, that does get a professional uh, contract of some type. What, what They get these huge millions of dollars, literally. What, what do they do with how, how can they blow millions of dollars uh, quickly? I'll give you the four biggest reasons that they can blow money rapidly. And number one is their agent steals from them. Number two is family. Number three is divorce. And down in fourth place, which I'm surprised, I thought it would be higher, is drugs and alcohol. That's how these guys can go through money very, very quickly. So let's take them one at a time. Let's start with the agents. Now, again, there have been plenty of scandals. Uh, Isn't somebody now watching the agents to make sure that they're not stealing people's money? How do you get an agent who's going to be legitimate and and, uh, not defraud you? Well, let's just get to a different sport for, from one that we're talking about to one that I know a little better, and that's professional golf. There was a pro- fine professional golfer who was number one in the world for a long time who thought his agent was taking care of him, actually a pair of agents, and one day he got a knock on the door of his mansion, and it was the IRS and they asked him where his back taxes were and why they hadn't been paid. And he said, my agent takes care of all this. And the IRS said, both your agents have disappeared. That's a true story. So again, how can people find, are there references or ways of vetting it so you you have a legitimate agent who's not going to run off with your money? I would guess that you find some athletes who have been successful. Uh, There is the best way to take care of your own money is to do it yourself. And if you're not sure what you're doing, my idea would simply be to put it in a bank uh, where it's in cash. And until you get done with your professional sports and then you can begin to educate yourself or you can listen to programs such as those by Jordan Goodman who can steer you in the right direction. But as far as finding a qualified agent, I think probably word of mouth is the best thing. Okay, so agents were the first uh, problem. Uh, then uh, you had uh, divorce. Was that was one of the other ones? So Second what, what one happens to family? The families family. oh. all think that these guys are going to be infinitely rich, and uh, they... Uh, grandmothers come out of the woodwork saying, you know, when you were a kid, I fed you soup. So therefore, I want you to buy me a new house. Um, The the, uh, young fellows are overwhelmed by family, parents, brothers, sisters, uh, wanting things from these uh, young athletes who have very little knowledge of how to spend their money. And so they frequently give it away to family. 
So what should and they do? Should they not uh, give as far anything? As divorce goes, which is number three, then you're familiar with all of the people who have had giant divorce settlements put on them because the judge believes that these athletes are making a fortune and should share it with the ex-wife. So on the family, again, if, if all the family asks for money, should they just say no to everybody? What is your advice to an athlete who's being besieged by family requests? I would say no. It's, it's tough love. But unless you're really prepared to be able to give away uh, money indiscriminately, the best thing you can say is no. Or you can set aside a certain dollar amount, for example, and then you could... Uh, when that dollar amount is reached, you just shut off the spigot. There's no more money left to give to family, period. And on the divorce front, is it risky for people, for athletes who are making a lot of money to get married? You have kind of gold diggers going after them for their money. Is that a, a common situation? Very common. It happens all the time. Uh, beautiful young ladies, uh, promote themselves to the athlete, and the athlete is so dazzled that uh, he wants to marry them immediately. And only after that does he find out that there is a problem in the marriage and the girl might or woman might not be as uh, sophisticated and uh, talented and uh, uh, reputable as the athlete was led to believe. And those kind of situations make the national news, the national magazines, and you can read about them uh, every day. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest for this half hour is Gary Bush. Uh, He has got two books out, one called All the Talent in the World 1 and All the Talent in the World 2. You can find out more at our website, allthetalentintheworld.com, or his own personal website is garybush.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Looking for an investment option? Consider Secured Real Estate Income Strategies. Secured Real Estate Income Strategies is a real estate-backed option offering investments with a monthly income objective. The goal of the strategy is to lend money to real estate developers. SREIS offers an 8% preferred return per annum, plus a share in any profits. While there is risk, including loss of capital, and you should carefully read the offering circular for full details, Secured Real Estate Income Strategies screens each real estate loan carefully. Call 888-444-2102 or visit securedrealestatefunds.com to learn more. 888-444-2102. Jordan Goodman is an advisor to and part owner in Secured Real Estate Income Strategies. This does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities. Securities offered through North Capital Private Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? 
Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this half hour is Gary Bush. He's written two books, one called All the Talent in the World One and All the Talent in the World Two. Welcome back to the show, Gary. Thank you very much for having me, Jordan. We were talking about the fourth reason that athletes get in trouble with money, which is drugs and alcohol. So when they've got all this money and all the success and houses and their family and all that, how does that lead to drugs and alcohol? Because isn't that going to ruin the whole party? Absolutely, but as you read on television, uh, newspapers, radio every day, people seem to get hooked on drugs. Athletes seem to have a big problem getting hooked on painkillers. It begins with painkillers for an athlete who uh, wants to be uh, not left out of the game plan, uh, who wants to be kept in on the contract time, and so they start taking painkillers to ignore the pain. Uh, that seems to be a great way for athletes to be hooked and then dragged into the painkiller uh, drug syndrome. From there it gets worse. As I understand it, alcohol is also a great problem, particularly with the college athletes, because it's a little more expensive to get into the drugs like heroin and things like that. But they know they're being tested all the time, and if they they could be thrown off the team easily if they're found to either have too much drug or alcohol. So is there somebody monitoring them or trying to prevent that from happening? If they're smart, they have someone monitoring them, but some of the young men don't listen. I've talked to a lot of them who just do not listen to the people around them. They think they know what they're doing because they're a famous athlete. They've been coddled through grade school, high school, college, and uh the world owes them something because they can catch a pass or shoot a basket or run faster than anyone else. And uh, they are just unsophisticated about the effects of drugs and alcohol. You realize that everybody thinks, even though they're drunk, they're making perfectly common sense to the world around them. So just give us some of the statistics of all these players making all this money, and what happens to them, whatever, five years after they've left the game, and what kind of financial shape a lot of them are in after they've gone through all this money? They go bankrupt. It's as simple as that. 
in the valley here, uh, Maricopa County, there are 69 players who belong to an association of retired ex-NBA players. Of those 69 players, 44 of them live on $30,000 per year or less. Now, 30000 might be a pretty good income for some, but when you realize that they've made millions and millions of dollars and now they're living on $30,000 or less, that's not a very good return on all of the millions that they made playing professional sports, especially in basketball. So let's broaden this out a little bit and talk about some of the lessons that people who are not professional athletes can learn from the mistakes that athletes make. What are some of the takeaways that you could have that would help people who don't have that surge of money and then they go back down again, but, but live a more normal life? Well, some of them are subject to scams, and you hear telephone scams every day. Some of them are subject to scams from the agent. Some of them are just flat stolen from. Uh, some of them people, the general person on the outside, runs into a um, person who says they're a financial advisor. And I have been sucked in on this myself, where the financial advisor says to me, you know, you're a professional at what you do, and I'm a professional at what I do, and so you should listen to me. And I thought, well, that makes sense. Uh, you understand that I was a dentist for 35 years or so practicing in Texas, and so it made sense when somebody appealed to my professional grounding that I was being absolutely honest with all my patients, and I was. Uh, and so the next thing you know is they give you very bad advice to buy, for example, all of your put all of your money into one particular place, one stock, one real estate venture, one movie venture, one whatever you have all or a piece of the action. And the next thing you know, since you're not diversified, you have lost all your money. So that would be one thing, is diversify and trust, be careful in who the advisors you, you take on. Okay, and then you also talk about family values. So what kind of family values are you talking about that can help people avoid getting sucked into these financial scandals? Well, I think they begin with a mother and a father. Now, I know a lot of these children nowadays don't have fathers, but I think a father is ex essential, absolutely essential in helping young men to grow up. Mothers and fathers, a family um, atmosphere is good for children. They thrive in an atmosphere of good cheer, hard work, uh, give the kid responsibility, make him earn some money. Once he finds out how difficult it is to earn money, if he gets more money and more money, then he's liable to save it and or take care of it. And so those personal responsibilities are what's really important to him when he's growing up maturing. So we have about two minutes left. Why don't you kind of sum up uh, what people will get out of reading your book, All the Talent in the World, and again, the website for that, allthetalentintheworld.com, and what lessons people can learn uh, having seen all these professional athletes go through all this money and end up kind of destitute. There is no one who will help you as well as yourself. Uh, 
you need to get education and look at your own situation in life and uh, be really careful about what you do with your money. I think programs such as yours and those presented on KFNN by Ron Cohen and uh, the announcer Sinclair Noah are really important for people to listen to on a daily basis. Very good. So uh, is it making a difference? I mean, the people who've seen and read your book, Athletes, are they getting the word out and things are getting better or, or, or not, in your sense, with what's happening in the sports I world today? I think they're putting the word out, but this national program of yours, Jordan Goodman, would help a great deal for the general public to read this book. Uh, it appeals not only to young people, but I find that my biggest fans are parents and grandparents who have read the book and can therefore guide the young students as they're growing up. So say you're in that circumstance, say you're the parent or grandparent of a star athlete, what kind of advice would you give them so that they go on the right road instead of the wrong road that you've talked about in your book? Listen to your family. And uh, this is different from the family who is asking for a lot of things. Listen to the parental guidance who can help you sort out the good from the bad. Uh, Parents often have an idea of whether a person is good or not after they've met, meet, met them, they're more independent and uh, they cannot be swayed necessarily by some good looking guy or woman who has their sales spiel down pat. I guess these coaches are good at recruiting and they're appealing to the parents as well to get them on side. So the parent has to have some objectivity, particularly when the college coach is coming uh, recruiting them to kind of see through it. Is that what you're saying? I am absolutely saying that. Now, I think there's a movie called Blindside, which is terrific in showing what a guy from the projects is growing up and can go through and was rescued by the Tui family. It's a wonderful movie that people can watch. I've seen it any number of times, and it shows what spots without help the uh, athlete can be put into what terrible situation he can be put into without realizing he's gotten into him. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest for this half hour has been Gary Bush. His book is called All the Talent in the World. You can find out more at the website, allthetalentintheworld.com. He also has a personal website, garybush.com. You've been inspiring to a lot of people. Thanks so much for being on the Money Answer Show, Gary. Thank you very much, Jordan, for having me. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.